My name is Tom Hertig. I'm here to entertain you for the next hour. With me is my father-in-law, John Zoig, from Wycliffe Lake, and Judah Weinhardt from North Phoenix. That's what I like, a rousing reception. I'm going to hand out a slip of paper. One slip of paper to each row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It'll work out perfect. We've got some seats up front here, guys. Each, yeah, each slip of paper has on it a presentation title. I'm going to give each row one slip of paper with the presentation title. Each row has to prepare a presentation on this topic in three minutes. Three minutes. And oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We don't have time to chatter. I'm going to give you time to talk about a minute. When I say three minutes, I'm not saying three minutes and I'm going to give you ten. I'm going to give you three minutes. That's it. And I did a presentation that will last approximately a minute. Okay? I'm going to hand them out here. You can begin discussing it immediately. When I get to the top row, the three minutes starts. Three minutes are up. Does anyone not have a fork that needs a fork? Oh, you got it? Okay. Now, I'm going to read to you the titles of the presentations. I want you to tell me which one you want to hear. Flower arranging for funerals. Tom Hurtig, leader or blowhard. Baseball rule basics. China's capitalistic communism. The art of Japanese bonsai. Ah. South American travel tips. Safety tips for, safety tips for changing a flat tire. 2008 U.S. presidential election overview, or my personal favorite, why skiing is better than snowboarding. All the chicks ski. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, shh, wait, 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 hold it, hold it. I think that was definitive. I think it's clear. Thank you. Skiing is better than snowboarding. Anyways, okay, all right. Anyways, anyways. Now, here's my question, guys. Listen, it was, it's a lot of fun, but we, we can't do the talk at the end anymore, okay, guys? I have a question for you. The reason we did that, we're, I'd love to hear all of them, especially the one about Japanese bonsai. I really kind of wanted to learn about that. But we can't do that, so you can do it to me privately during the week. Come up and give me the presentation. I'm ready anytime to hear them, okay? But here's the question that I have for you. As I gave you a short three-minute time frame, what happened in your group in terms of leadership? What happened? One at a time. Hey, guys, listen. We can't do the talk. I'll call on you. Raise your hand. This has to be like a classroom, okay? Jordan. Well, we, like, whoever had the most information about it pretty much did it. Okay, so your decision was the leader should be the person that has a lot of knowledge. Excellent point. I mean, Danny, you're my cousin. You grew up in, in Europe. How much baseball did you play as a kid? Zero. Zero. But he, played, he did a superior sport, which is skiing. So, okay, that's all right. But the point is, so Danny probably wasn't a huge help with baseball, correct? Uh -huh. Okay. How else did you determine who led your groups and why? We all picked Danny because he's the smartest. So again, a knowledge idea, and okay, fair enough. And he was maybe willing to make the presentation good. Philip. Oh, I just pretty much took care of him. And let me ask you. Well, that's a very, that's a, hey, shh, listen, guys. So Philip took charge, and everyone listened. I have a question. Was everyone happy with Philip taking charge? No. Okay. So we get a sense for Taking charge is not a bad thing, but sometimes it, it ruffles feathers a little bit. Good. What else? We didn't have a leader. So what was your presentation like? We didn't. <laughs> okay. Get, good point. So I gave you a three-minute directive. Nothing happened because no one took charge. That's true. What was your topic? We have uh, South America tips. South American travel tips. Has anyone of this group been to South America? Yeah. Really? No one has? Well, that's, I think that kind of gets, gets you off the hook a little bit. Because no one's been there. It's like, what do we know? You know? Uh, anyone else in terms of how things went? Why, how, who became the leader and why? 
Uh, we kind of collaborated, people threw suggestions, and then we just went with popular consensus. Okay. So you kind of... You voted for a leader? So it was kind of a collaborative effort. Not necessarily... Did, so did it... Guys, listen. Did anyone come forth as a leader? Or not necessarily? You all... Louder? We all kind of came forward with Okay. All right. And obviously, if I, if I maybe gave you more time to put it together, you might have had more time to kind of figure that out. Um, in our group, one person just started talking. So once they started talking, everyone just listened. Okay. Even though our leader had no real direction. Because <laughs> we, we, we had a topic, then we just started joking around, and then we're like, oh, two minutes left. Yeah. What are we going to do now? So someone took charge, but really didn't have the capacity to get the job done. That happens, okay? Anything else in terms of some of the dynamics that happened? Because that's really what this exercise was about, the dynamics of leadership. Uh, we, knowledge came forth as a kind of an important thing. Um, Philip stepped up and said, I just took charge. And is that important sometimes for people to take charge? It is because what happens when there's no one takes charge? Nothing happens, right? Anything else that you want to share about that? Okay, why are we having a discussion today about leadership? Does anyone have a guess why? Why do we have a, young, a group of young men sitting here listening to a blowhard about leadership? Talk to me. You're the future leaders. Who here perceives themselves at some point as a corporate executive? Okay, hands down. Who sees themselves as an elder of a congregation? Interesting. I think you're probably joking, but let me ask you a question. I asked, even except there was one, one jokester, I asked who thought they'd be an elder of a congregation. No hands went up. I don't find that surprising. How many of you believe that there's a future elder in this room? I think there is too. Interesting, isn't that? Some of you here will be corporate executives. Some of you will be, will be uh, the principal of a college. Some of you will be elders. Some of you will be ministers. Some of you will be form leaders at camp in front of teen boys. Here's the problem, though. Here's, here's the problem. In my life experience, who here thinks of me as a leader? I appreciate that vote of confidence. The reality is, in some capacities I am, but the reality is this that I want you to understand. Point number one today is this. Many of you, most of you, all of you, at some point in your life will be in leadership positions. And how are you going to feel when that thing is handed over to you? How do you think you feel? Great, like, oh, bring it on! I'm ready! Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed? Honestly, when someone says, hey, take charge of this, how are you going to feel? How am I going to do this? Nervous, scared. Confident. I'm not prepared. Let's read some verses because there's some great stuff in the Bible about that. Judah, read the first one in, um, uh, out of Exodus 3.11. Listen to this. This is Moses, okay? No, Exodus 3.11. I'm skipping that one for now. Exodus 3.11. Sorry, I gave it to you out of order. Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Does anyone know the story of Moses? Where was Moses raised? In Egypt. In Egypt. Who was he raised by? Egyptians. The Pharaoh's daughter, Egyptians. Do you think he was an educated man? Yes. Do you think he had wealth beyond measure? Yes. Do you think he knew all the high big shots out there? Yeah. yeah. And now he finds out he's an Israelite. He kind of exiles himself. Do you think he was prepared to go before Pharaoh and lead the Israelites out of there? To me, he seems like the perfect candidate. He's educated, he knows the people, they know him, and yet he's in, it's like he's the perfect candidate. How did he feel, Judah? Unequipped. 
So the point is, even if God takes the time to prepare you for certain roles, it's very likely that when that role is standing before your face, how are you going to feel? Unequipped. Okay, let's read the next one, Judah, which is out of um, 1 Kings 3.7. This is David's son, Solomon. 1 Kings 3.7. This is before Solomon asked for wisdom. 1 Kings 3.7. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am not a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Here's Solomon. This is before he asked for wisdom. But where was he raised? Where was Solomon raised? In the backwoods, shepherding things like his father? He was a prince. Educated, wealthy, tons of attention, tons of contacts. And now he's going to be the king of Israel. And he's like, I'm just a kid. I don't know what I'm doing. And I didn't research it. Does anyone know how old he was? I'm sure he was probably in his 20s. Not really a kid per se. But he felt unprepared, even though in many ways he should have been well prepared. What is leadership in your mind? What's leadership? What is leadership? Taking responsibility for a group of people. Taking responsibility for a group of people. Excellent. Having control. Having control. Okay. Having control is leadership. What else? Demanding respect. Demanding respect. A leader needs to demand respect. Does the, the leader need to demand to have respect? If none of you respected me enough to shut your mouths a few minutes ago, would we be getting anything done today? We wouldn't. A, ne a leader needs to have a level of respect. Otherwise, he can't lead. It's a good point. Confidence. A leader has to have some confidence. And yet, how do these two leaders we just read about start off? Unconfident. So even though a new leader needs to have some confidence, where does his confidence have to be? In Christ. In Christ, in the Lord. If you're thinking that I'm going to take on leadership roles when I'm confident and ready, what's going to happen? You'll never take any leadership roles on in your life. Because that's part of the equation, as it seems, as we've read and as we've heard, and we'll hear about in a few moments. I want to do a quick, you know what brainstorming is? I want you to put up on the board for me, I'll write them, you say them, ways that you think you or someone in this room may be a leader at some point. I'm going to start us off with the things we already talked about. Some people might be a CEO. Some people might be an elder. Some people might be a minister. Father. Father. Older sibling. Ooh, I like that one. Is that a leadership position? You know what? You better believe it. Like it or not. Let's go. More on the list. Teacher. Teacher. Coach. <laughs> what else? Chieftain. 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 A friend. A friend is a leader? Explain that. Um, based on servant leadership that Jesus taught. What leadership? Servant leadership. Leadership is what? Service. It's servanthood. It's service. Let's read that in Scripture. Um, you know, that's Mark, the first one, Mark 10, 43 to 44. Leadership, you know, we sometimes get the idea leadership is, man, leadership is, is babysitter is a leader. Ringleader of your band of boys at school. That's a leadership position. Kid in the neighborhood that sets the tone. That's a leadership position. On the sports field, you may not be the captain of your team, but you may be the one that has a good attitude when things go sour. You're a leader. We already have up here older sibling in a family. Pretty much got a lot of my list. But you know what? What I want you to realize is that everybody in this room is going to be called to leadership, not in a lot of these big things, but in these kind of ways. Friend, father, husband, kid, in a group of other kids. And it's tough. 
to be a leader among some of your buddies and friends, especially when they want to go on a pathway that's not a good pathway, to stand up and say, man, I got I to gotta stand up and say something. I have to be a leader here. It's tough. One of the reasons that we have this forum going today is because there's been concern that, that we don't do enough mentoring about the idea of leadership with you. I want you to walk out of this forum understanding that each and every one of you has to recognize that all of you have to rise to the challenge to be leaders. All of you. Every one of you. I have a couple brothers here, one older than me, one younger than me, that are going to share a little bit with you about how leadership positions came to them in life, in most cases not necessarily because they sought it out, and actually in most cases they didn't seek it out, it was thrust upon them, and how they dealt with it and what they did about it. I'll start with Brother John, my father-in-law. that I wasn't seeking after in the field of education. Uh, when I realized that my dad's business was going downhill, which I hated in the first place, but didn't dare tell him because he expected me to take it over. When I've then resolved this thing, which they'll mess up, or have you two guys sit in my office, work it out, and let me know when, it's, when you've got a solution. Uh, I prayed, Lord, uh, work with these two young men and, and I was, it seemed like, like an hour, but it was only about 15 minutes or so. And they came up and said, okay, we've got, we got a solution. I said, get on the phone, call off the troops. And I, had, uh, I, called, I said, I'm going to call the police and let them just stand at the, at the uh, two entrances to the school to make sure nobody comes from the outside. Um, and, and I just, just feel like, wow, you know, what the Lord had taught me in a way of, of leadership uh, methods and so forth, I learned from a man who had an eighth grade education because he had the wisdom that came from God. And that's really where, where it belongs in your uh, temporal life as well as the spiritual life. Uh, Tom introduced me as being an elder. That's something also I never, never thought, never had any inclination towards that ever taking place, let alone uh, even, even before that of, of being a preacher. But um, I was the youngest of the four ministers in our church in Wycliffe Lake. And I had pushed for years uh, on our serving elders from Syracuse uh, that, they would, that they would consider our having our own elder in our own churches because I felt it's important to have a local elder. I felt I was most qualified to push on that because I figured that's never going to happen with me being the youngest of, of brothers who were 20 years older than I. Uh, it was a shock when, when I found out that the church had asked that, that I would serve as, as their elder. Uh, and, and one of the things that I recognized was I felt like Moses and the others that we had read about. I am but a, I am but a child, and, and God... I need your help in this, as well as co-working along with those who had more experience than I. Uh, here it is, um, lots of years later on, I am now the oldest of the, of the ministers, and, and uh, just recognize that, that, that uh, the uh, whole focus upon leadership for me was to see a need and be willing to fill it. All right, how's everyone doing? Good. Good. Are you guys still awake? All right, cool. I just want to read you a real quick passage in Scripture. Um, platform? Um, it's found in Jeremiah. It's another example of a, a reluctant leader. Um, Jeremiah 1, starting at verse 6. This is Jeremiah talking to the Lord after the Lord asked him to go and be a prophet to the nation of Israel. He said, he said Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only youth. For you, for to you, sorry, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. I think with, um, with me, I've, I've had my fair share of, of leadership, and I think we can all say, I mean, maybe, I'm sure a lot of you guys have had um, some experience in leadership in one way or another, like Tom was saying, and it's a scary thing. Um, but, and that's, that's what Jeremiah was expressing, like, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm only, only a youth, I don't know how to speak. Um, but the, the amazing thing is, is that's how, this is a one huge way how God is able to use you in people's life, whether or not you, you realize it. Um, some of the things that I've done 
over the years. You know, I've been uh, youth group president at my church, um, done youth choir, stuff like that. It's, it's not something that I was looking for <laughs> at all, and it's, uh, but someone needed to do it. I mean, if, if, if no one raised up to the, to the challenge and did it, then you know, there'd be no youth group president or whatever, and there'd be no a youth group, no one to organize it. And like, like Tom was saying, it's something that, that is really, it's, it's a service to others because um, what you're doing is you're, you're taking care of all the, all the details and stuff so that the group as a whole can enjoy um, everything. So I just want to share with you, like, my, my first experience with leadership was, I think, 2002 or, yeah, 2002, um, I was elected as the youth group president. It's, it's something that, you know, during the nominations or whatever, they, they nominated uh, people, and when they, somebody said my name, I'm like, oh, well, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. I'm not one to, that, that says no really easily. Like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I, I, I go ahead and accept it. But a lot of times, <clears throat> we'll get into that. Um, you can accept too much, and then that's, that's a big problem because you have too much to, uh, to be in charge of. But I accept the nomination, and I was really kind of excited once I got elected. Like, oh, yeah, you know, God can really use me, and, you know, we can like, bring the youth group together and, and do this and do that and do this. And I had, a, I had a, like a general idea of, like, yeah, let's, let's grow spiritually together as, as a group. Let's, let's um, you know, reach out to the community and do stuff like that. But as, as time progressed over the year, it was, it was really hard for me to express that vision um, to the rest of the group. And, and people didn't seem too interested. And I just got really discouraged over, over time. And... Uh, yeah, so like my first year, it was, it was kind of awkward, and I wouldn't call it a, a huge success. I'd call it like a, a big learning experience. Um, but uh, and it's a lot of times where, you, you know, you stumble and you fall and, and you figure things out, and uh, people get upset at you, and that's okay. Life goes on. Um, but it's, it's something that was necessary because you learn from your mistakes, and you learn from, uh, from experience, and it's something that, you know, God... You know, you heard the parable of the talents where, you know, um, the master gave them, you know, a small, a small responsibility first, and then he gave them a larger responsibility, um, you know, and be in charge of ten cities or something like that. Um, it's the, the, the first encounter with leadership is something that God uses to prepare you for the next step. And um, like, like Tom was saying, you know, we're all going to be leaders at one point, and we all, we all need to step up. We can't be afraid. Like right now, I'm, I'm terrified to come in front of you guys and talk to you. Um, I, get, I get really nervous, but it's something that I can't be afraid of, and it's something that you guys can't be afraid of. It's something that we all need to step up and be men about and not little, little guys running away and from all the challenges that, that come with leadership. Um, some of the, the things that I've learned over the years with, with all that stuff is... Um, I learned that you, know, you not only need to have a general vision or of, of what you need to do, but you need to have a very specific vision. You need to think of, okay, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. Um, not just like, oh, I want the youth group to come together and be a, a great close-knit body. I mean, that's all great and good, but what are the steps you're going to do take, to take that out? You need to be specific with how you're going to do that. You need to have objectives. Um, I have a problem with being too organized. I like... You know, it's really easy for me to like write out everything I'm going to say or whatever. But then whenever I get up there, like I, it's like I'm reading a script or whatever, and that's stupid. And nobody likes that, and and I get really nervous. So something that I've learned over the years is to be flexible and not really be too organized. It's good to be organized to an extent, but uh, don't be over analytical. <clears throat> Another thing is um, with responsibility. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to take on all the responsibility. Once you're the leader, you're like, oh, I'm in charge of all this stuff. I need to take care of everything. And then you try and do it all. And then you quickly wear yourself out. And you're not, you can't do it all, or you can, but first of all, what that does is it wears you out. Second of all, you do a really bad job because you're doing too much and you can't devote yourself to, if you devote yourself to one specific thing instead of everything, you do a lot better job. So I guess with that, like well, something I learned is you need to delegate to people. You need to ask, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Can you do that? Um, once you start doing that, things get finished a lot quicker, and you're able to, to bring things together. And you're just kind of the one who's in charge of it all, saying, okay, you're doing this, you're doing this, and you organize it all, but pretty much you're getting everyone else to do the work. Um, something else is 
it's really important to, to find a mentor or someone who's gone through the same thing. Um, you learn a lot from them and you're able to glean a lot of wisdom and knowledge that you may not know, either about the process, like, so how do, how do I lead this group? What are some things that you learned? Not only that, but also as a spiritual mentor, um, like what, what does it mean for me to be a leader in this setting? And um, Because when you're a leader of a youth group or something like that, it's not just you know, planning and organizing events. It's also being a sort of spiritual leader. And uh, you know, for me, back in 2002, I was a new Christian. And I wasn't, I'm still not, um, the most mature Christian in the world. I mean, we're, we're constantly growing, right? And so it's really important to find a spiritual mentor and, or mentors and just have a support group to, to help you out there. Um, I mean, and when it comes down to it, like, you can't really mark, like, oh, this was a success as leadership, this was a fa failure, that was a failure, that was a success, because what's really cool about being a leader and doing something that God has called you to do is that no matter, as long as you put your whole heart into it and you try your hardest, God's going to bless that, and God is going to bear fruit through that. It's going to be something that he's going to be able to use. Um, whether or not we see it. I, so many times I get so discouraged because it's like, well, that was total failure. I don't know what I was thinking there. And I get all down on myself, um, and I think that was nothing good of, at all could have come from that. But then someone comes up to me and says, hey, Jude, that was really cool. I really got something out of that. And I'm like, whoa. That, that kind of throws me off. God's able to use whatever we, we put into it, and he's able to, to use it whether or not we realize it. <clears throat> so... Um, it's an encouragement for me not to get down on myself, and it's an encouragement for all the rest of you. Um, God's able to use um, a servant's heart. Yeah, and leadership is a real blessing, too, because, first of all, you grow so much spiritually. You, when, when you're in a leadership position, it kind of forces you to, it forces you to do a lot of things. It forces you to, to think through things more. It forces you to, I don't know, get right with, with God in a lot of ways, because um, like when, when you're a leader, you can't you know, just do your own thing. You have, you're, you're, you're kind of forced to, to be more serious, and not that you, you can't be serious when you're not in a leadership position, but it's something that, that it's definitely a blessing. And um, it, it prepares you for, for future things, um, for future leaderships. You know, maybe it's a small thing here, a small thing there, but um, God's able to, to prepare you through that and you're able to do big things for his kingdom. And uh, so that's kind of what I have to say. Thank you, Judah. Thank you, Dad. Okay. Real life experiences, that's what I want you to hear about from people of varying ages, how leadership sometimes just comes to you and you have to you have to find a way to get past that Moses and that Solomon moment and just pick it up and start going, start doing. Um, a couple of things I wanted to tell you about, part of the reason that we're doing this forum as well today, I know I covered a couple of reasons already, is that um, there's, there's a concern that there's not necessarily a mentality of leadership around, among our young men as it should be. Um, one of the things is this. We have a situation on our hands that Christianity is in many ways getting higher and higher profile. We see Christian music getting bigger and bigger all the time. A lot of you listen to different kinds of Christian music. Um, speakers are getting more famous. Christians getting more, Christianity is getting more and more commercial. There's mega churches all around. And the dilemma that we have as a body is this, is that we have a lot of people, a lot of our young boys, a lot of our young men looking around saying, boy, look at all that's out there. And, and starting to take and look and say, you know what? Um, I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to partake in this kind of a, um, a mission. That And you know what the problem is? The problem is, is that it's very easy to get distracted by 10,000 other things that are happening in Christianity and lose focus on where you are and the church that you're in. God, we heard last night, Elsa said it, I think, what did she say, that the one word translates to, to God looks at us as magnificent? Was that the word? Masterpieces. masterpieces, even better, thank you. Thank you for listening. As a masterpiece, do you realize that God has a masterpiece of a life 
in plan for all of you here? God does not want any of you to live. He plans. He does not plan for any of you to live a mundane, boring, non-servant life. He has plans that are incredible for everyone. And the question is, will you take the time and the energy to find those out? God has tons of work in our fellowship, in our churches, for you to take hold of. He wants you to take that on. If you are one of the older guys here, and you need to realize that you are a leader and a mentor to the young men around you. And if you want the mentality of, you know what, I just want to go out and snowboard all day, and I want to travel, I want to work on my car, listen to music, and that's your whole focus, which is really, to be blunt, selfish, you will be leading the young men around you onto a path of selfishness and bad leadership. And you have to recognize that. You have to start looking for opportunities to serve. If there was a toilet in church, and you went in there one day, and you opened the stall, and what you saw in there was just nasty and unflushed, and you reached for the handle, you tried to flush it, and it didn't disappear, I know this is graphic, what would you do? Tell me. Give it another flush. Go somewhere else is not leadership. Give it another flush is marginal leadership. What did you say? Leadership is servanthood. It's getting the job done. And I use that illustration because it's kind of funny. But you know what? Next time you walk into that stall, you're going to think about me. <laughs> For more reasons than one, perhaps. <laughs> one other important point that if you haven't been listening all day, you've got to listen now. If you've been snoozing, the guy next to you sleeping, wake him up. Thank you. Girls... Do not like guys that have no direction, no leadership facility, no leadership ability, and no direction. Now, you may find that you're getting attention from girls by being the wild guy, the crazy man, the uh, flashy dresser, whatever, but you know what? The girls that you really want for the long haul, the ones that are really important down the road, if you want to attract their attention, you have to be a person that's being a, a leader. You have to take initiative. You have to be motivated and dedicated. You have to be willing to go plunge that toilet because that's going to come up in your house too someday. You have to be willing to take a leadership role. Husband, father, those are leadership roles. You want to know what happens to sons whose dads are bad leaders at home? Talk to me. They kill people. Honestly, who said that? They're lost. You're kind of kidding around, Brandon, right? But you know what the truth is? What happens when you go to prisons of this country? What do you find there? What do you find that's very common, like 80 to 90% of the time? What do you find? Very few of them know their fathers. Young men that don't know their fathers or whose fathers were not involved. And you know what, Brandon, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's an extreme example, but it's relevant. If you're not a leader at home, your children are in rough shape. They may not go to the extreme that Brandon mentioned, but your kids and your sons are going to be in rough shape their entire lives. And that's the truth. Dysfunctional. Now, that was kind of the serious part. Now, here's the practical part. Pull up your forks. This, my friend... This is, this is made to look like expensive crystal fork. And in fact, even though it looks like ordinary plastic to you, it's actually Norwegian lucite. These are worth $800 a piece. And I went out on a limb. Well, maybe it's slightly higher than that, lower than that. Point is, that was a slight exaggeration. This, 800 yen. This is the fork of leadership. I want you to think about a leadership and think about a fork. And here's why. How do you use a fork? Show me someone. You could go like this and stab food, right? But that wouldn't be right. But the actual way is you hold the handle and you go like this, right? So a fork is a very useful tool. Now, 
If you're a leader, what's important as a leader in terms of the people that are working on your behalf, working with you, especially if you're in a more organized leadership role down the road of life where you're actually, like Judah talked about, you're a CFG chairman, you're heading up a, a, a CFG meeting, and you've got some people working on it with you. What's, what does a leader have to make sure people are doing? They have the right tools. And let me show you something. Which way, you know what these are called, these four things? Tines. Thank you. These are, prongs is the crude word, tines is the correct word. D-I-N-E-S. You learned a vocabulary word today. I'm here to be a leader. The tines aim in what direction relative to the handle? They're in the same, they're going the same way. If you move the handle this way, where are the tines moving? Same direction. If the tines were like this, would the fork be working? Some of you may have a fork like that at home that you've used to pry something open with. It doesn't work very well. The tines are aligned with the handle. The fork of leadership, my friend. When you're the leader, the handle, the tines do what? They're following. They're going in the same direction. They've got the same direction. Now, what is also important as a leader, who gets dirty? The tines, not you. Just kidding. A lot of times, you get dirty as well. That's right. But here's the thing I want, this is a very visual thing that I want you to remember. What is this? Of fork, it's not a fork, this is a fork of leadership. Norwegian Lucite. How do you spell fork, my friends? What does the F in the fork of leadership stand for? Some of you? Focus. Your first, this is very practical. You, got, you guys, we're running out of time. Very practical stuff, and it's, it's, it's useful, actually. If you are the leader, and you are in, in, given a task to do, and you don't have a clear focus on where you're going, what's going to happen? It's never going to work. It's never going to work. And you may be put into a role of leadership where you're not even sure. I, I'll give you an example. I, was, I moved back to New Jersey after college and working for a while. And in Wycliffe Lake, the church shortly thereafter turned its 20th anniversary in 93. Anyways, it doesn't matter. And we decided as a church we'd like to have a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the building of the church. And all of a sudden, I was in charge. I really didn't even know what we were going to do. So I started talking to people. I found out what people wanted to do. And over a period of uh, talking with people and, and kind of interviewing people, I found out what the focus we needed to have for that meeting. We wanted to invite a lot of the people that weren't around anymore. We wanted to have a lot of mem memorabilia put up and uh, just have a nice time of fellowship. So then all of a sudden I had the focus. And no matter what happened, I could not lose sight of, we want to invite a lot of people, have a lot of memorabilia, and have a nice time of fellowship and set up for that. So that's what happened. Focus is important. If you lose focus and you're the handle and you're going all over the place, what happens to the fork? It doesn't get the job done. F-O, what does O stand for? Organization. Organization. If you're going to be a leader, this is especially important when you're leading other people, but it's even important, like Judah said, when you're doing things on your own. I'm losing you guys. Come on. You have to be organized. It might mean taking notes, taking a voice recording, talking to people. You have to be organized. You have to be organized as a person. And you have to make sure that the people, the times that you're putting in place, that they are organized. They are focused on what their specific job is, their sub-job, their sub-focus. They have to know what they need to do. And they have to be organized. What happens if you are, if you are in charge of this thing, 10 people are part of your organization, and one person is just totally, he's not organized, doesn't know what he or she is doing, and they're just... It's a, it's a disaster. Their part of the plan is not going forward. What has to happen? They have to be fired, maybe. Reassigned. Or they, you have to help them go to organize. The point is, you can't let that sit. A leader is focused. He's got to be focused on his organization, and his organization has to be focused. R. Responsibility. I actually just covered this. Woo! Hold it. If I'm in charge and I'm the handle of the fork and I've got people doing things for me, things are going forward, 
And if I start to lose track of what's going on and I'm not responsible for maintaining focus, what happens? Falls apart. If one of the members of my group were working on a project, he's just, if Jesse's just not responsible, not getting it done, not following through, what do I have to do? I have to be responsible say, listen, man, it's not happening. You have to get it done. And if you don't get it done, the whole thing's going to implode. So either you have to get it done or you have to enlist help or I have to help you more or I've got to pull you out and put someone else in. Is it because I'm mean to you or I don't like you? No, it's because I'm focused and I'm responsible and the job has to get done. You know, a lot of times you talk about presidents and the different styles. It's, it never should be, as a leader, about personality. I shouldn't say, oh, Jesse, man, it's just, you're so annoying. Jesse, the job has to get done. It's about the job. You're not getting it done. I've got to replace you because the job has to get done. It's not about you and me and our personalities and the power struggle. It's about getting the job done. Ego is a huge disruptor of what? The fork of leadership. K. Knowledge. Do you remember what we said earlier on? This team decided that they were going to do baseball. We had to look to the person of knowledge. Now, as a leader, do you have to be knowledgeable about the task that you are leading? Not necessarily. Talk to me about that. Does it, does it help if you're knowledgeable? Sure does. If you're not knowledgeable, can you still take a leadership role? How? If you have people that have the knowledge. So it's not imperative that a leader have the knowledge, but there has to be knowledge within the group. And if the leader doesn't have it himself, he's got to find people with the knowledge. If I want to lead a discussion about baseball and its rules, and I've never played the game, I don't know anything about it, I can put that discussion together, but I need to have some people that have played the game that know the game within that organization so we can bring it to fruition. What is this? Thank you. Dad, will you read John 21, 16 for us? Now listen to this. This is critical. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus is asking what kind of profound and critical question in this setting? What's the question? And what is the response after Peter says, you know I love you. What is Christ's response? You love me? Do what? What does that mean? Who here has sheep? Anybody? What does that mean? If you love me, feed my sheep. Service. Be a leader. Be of service. Do for the body. So here's the challenge. If you love the Lord, some of you do, some of you don't, but if it's in your intent at some point to be in a position where you really love the Lord, what is, needs to be seen in your life if that's an evident truth that you love the Lord? What has to be seen? Feed the sheep. Leadership. Is that a tall order? Tall order. Can you do it? Will you be intimidated by leadership that comes in your path? You will be. Should you be? No. But you will be. Is it okay to be that way? It's okay to be intimidated because it's reality. But should that, should that shackle you? No. I did something a few weeks ago. Some of you were there. Jordan was there. A few others in the youth choir were there. I'm going to do a similar thing because it kind of worked. And it's one of those things that, that it could bomb or it could be a nice memory in your brain. Before we do that, I want to read a couple things out of um, Judges about Gideon. Does anyone know the story of Gideon at all? Does anyone know what's... Gideon was one of the leaders. Actually, he wasn't a leader until this happened. Go ahead. Oh, you knew it. Okay, thank you, Winston. Um, what was the state of the, the nation of Israel when Gideon was brought to the forefront as leader? Do you know what state they were in? Anybody remember? They were not really at war. They, 
They were worse than the war. It was kind of like after the war. What had happened to their country? What's that? They were kind of like, it was weird. I don't know exactly, but they were kind of like, had been wiped out. They weren't even living in houses anymore. They were living in, in where? In caves? They were farming when? At night? They were like, they were totally dispersed, wiped out, destroyed. They didn't really have a nation much anymore. And God didn't, came to Gideon and said, man, I need you. Let's read it. And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewithal shall I say to Israel, Behold, my family is poor Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So here's he saying, hey, another guy that says, Who, me? A leader? I, I'm from a, one of the lowly houses of Israel. I'm poor. I'm nothing. Why are you calling on me? And the Lord said, I need you to lead my people. How big was the group? Was it the, the Midianites and the um, Malachites? Anyways, it was a huge horde, and the, the scripture says, like the sand of the sea. So the people that were oppressing them was a gigantic horde. And here's what happened next. Dad, if you could read Judges 7 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Does Israel want themselves against me, saying, My own hand hath saved me? So the Lord looked at that. There was originally like 32,000 people gathered there. And the Lord sent 22,000 of them packing, so there's only 10,000 left against a horde like the sand of the sea. And verse 7 7 says, The Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that have left, will I save you? Deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man to his own place. So the Lord said, 32,000 people is too much. You guys might think you did it yourselves. So he got rid of 22,000. 10,000 left. He said, go down to the river and, and see how they drink water. And now it was down to 300 men. And then what happened? Verses 21, 20 and 21. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands. And the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his own place, in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. What happened to all those Midianites in the valley? What happened to them? But what happened to them? They might have had a great leader sleeping in a bed. What happened to them? They, got, they ended up in confusion, killing each other and getting wiped out by 300 guys that they way outnumbered. Was this a logical victory? The Lord is going to put things in your pathway in life. I know it. And in many cases, you're going to feel intimidated, outnumbered. You're going to feel like there is no way that this is going to work out good. I can't handle it, God. I'm, I'm worse than Moses. I'm worse than Solomon. I'm worse than Gideon. It can't happen. But what you need to remember about Gideon? What do you have to remember about Gideon? What ended up happening? He listened to God with illogical resources. The victory was immense. We have a few minutes left. This is one of those times where, like I did a few weeks ago, I took a risk, didn't I? I took a risk. It worked. We're going to do it again. It's slightly different, but it's powerful, and I hope it plants a memory in your brain. Do you have this? What is this? It's a fork of leadership. All the things are lining up. F stands for? O stands for? R stands for? K stands for? Those are the keys. If you get those things lined up, what happens? The job gets done. You eat. You feed people, right? When I see work, this is you talking with me. I'm going to say a phrase. I want you to respond. And I want it with energy and conviction and enthusiasm. When I see work that needs to be done, I will be. Okay. When I see a toilet 
that needs to be plunged. I will leave. When others lead to destruction, I will leave. When my peers are clueless, I will leave. When people look at nominal Christianity and say, we ought to do what all the other Christians are doing, what are you going to do? I will leave. I'm not feeling it. I'm standing here, raising my hand, and I'm not feeling it from you yet. I don't think you're committed. I don't think you mean it. I don't think you're ready to lead. I will leave. When people come to me and say, I need you to take a leadership role that you feel you can't do, what are you going to do? I will leave. That's what I want to hear. When you feel intimidated because you've not been prepared enough, what are you going to do? I will leave. These guys, these guys are getting more on that. These guys say what I'm saying. These guys are committed. When all the world is going towards destruction, and I'm the lone person in my classroom or my college that doesn't want to buy evolution's garbage, that's what I'm talking about. You guys got glue on your pants back there? You guys too tired to stand up? You guys too weak to feel it like these guys? They're leading right now, just so you know. When the world wants me to believe things, that are not according to scripture, what are you going to do? I believe! When the world wants you to believe that Christianity is useless, what are you going to do? I believe! When you feel like Gideon and the time are against you and people are against you and you're depressed and weary, what are you going to do? I believe! Thank you. <laughs>